HR leaders, what's on your mind these days? Is it AI? Is it the economy? The talent market? Remote work? Retention? DEI? Pay transparency? New laws? Our 2024 Workplace Trends Report outlines how HR leaders are thinking about these challenges and what they believe will help their organizations overcome them. Want to find out what they said? Head on over to peoplemanagingpeople.com forward slash workplace trends 2024 and download the report to find out. What if you could wake up every morning excited to go to work? Many of us spend the majority of our waking hours working, but how many of us truly love what we do? Is loving our jobs even relevant in a market where layoffs are so common? Welcome to the People Managing People podcast. We're on a mission to build a better world of work and to help you create happy, healthy, and productive workplaces. I'm your host, Becca Banyard. My guest today is Jen Derry, founder of Plucky, a company that provides leadership coaching and new manager training and essentially helps you learn how to work with other people. Jen shares from her own journey of finding career fulfillment and the lessons and tips she learned along the way. So stay tuned to learn how you can love what you do and help your employees do the same. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Becca. Hi, everybody who's listening. Nice to meet you all. It's so great to have you here today. Usually when I have a guest on the show, it's my first time meeting them, but we actually met a little while back when you were a guest over on our sister site, thedigitalprojectmanager.com. And I loved your conversation with Galen, so I really wanted to have you on the show. So thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's my first time on a sister show. So that's very interesting. (laughs) I assume you have a lot of listeners who cross over. I think we probably do. Yeah. So I'd love to just get to know you a little bit better. Just before we dive into our topic today, we're going to be talking about the trade-offs that employees make in order to have a job that they really love. But yeah, let's talk about you to start. Tell me about yourself, what you're passionate about, and also just how you started your company, Plucky. Sure. So I live outside DC in Arlington, Virginia. I have two sons who are seven and 10 right now, and we have a puppy and a cat, and I have a husband. And Plucky is the company that I started almost 10 years ago. Uh, Later this fall, it will be 10 years in. And Plucky is a leadership coaching and consulting firm. So I would say a little over half my time is spent one on one coaching. That's either with leaders or emerging leaders. And then the other chunks of my time, I teach a class called So Now You're a Manager. Usually do that about four or five times a year. That's for folks who are within their first three years of management, let's say. And then I have some random manager products that I've invented. And I do a lot of teaching in other spaces too, either lunch and learns or small groups or, you know, spaces like that. And part of why I founded Plucky was I was internal at an agency in New York and I was handling employee development there. And 10 years ago, the market was really different in terms of what we understood professional development to be. So nobody had a coach, you know, it was like, oh, you have a prof dev budget, buy a book. You know, it was like, oh, okay. And today, actually, thankfully, the world has changed a little bit. And so there are a lot more supports available to folks internal at an organization. And you also see different budgets for each individual. And that becomes almost like a type of benefit. Yes, you get healthcare here. Also, you get access to go to a conference or, or find a coach. And so 
you know, I'm actually kind of glad that coaching is more mainstream today than when I started it, even though, of course, I'm not as subversive, shall we say, as it used to be in 2013. Amazing. Thanks for sharing a bit about yourself and your company. So we're in this market where a lot of individuals are unfortunately getting laid off. So what does somebody do in the times that we're in if they don't love their job? I think there's sort of an algorithm going on in an employment situation. So on one side, you've got a company who has, let's just say, a role, and they have a budget that they can pay for that role, a timeline for when they need that person to start, or assuming they're already employed there. You know, there's like a situation there. We have this hole to fill, and you, employee, fill it. And on the other side, you have an employee who has a motivation, a skill set, probably also a budget that they need to fit into. And so in this way, there's a collaboration or an agreement of sorts between those two, I guess I'll say like entities or presences, right? A company and an employee. And in ideal cases, those things match and things happen. Companies evolve and people evolve. So there's, it's possible that companies might evolve and say, uh-oh, we hired you as a junior and actually we don't have any more, we're, we're not doing that product anymore, so we can't employ you anymore, goodbye. Or the employee might say, thanks for the fun times. I actually want to go make double the salary somewhere else, bye. And so this sort of series of coming together and then departing is actually just to me what career path is. And at any given moment, one of those sides of the coin might say, this is no longer working for me for a million reasons, unpacked what I just said. Right now, we're in a situation where companies are doing a lot of initiating of that sort of detaching. But last year, it was exactly the opposite. And last year, everybody was leaving because they were getting better jobs or more interesting jobs. But last year, we were in a situation where it was very different. And last year, it was majorly a candidate's market, especially in tech. And so you had people all the time just interviewing and going different places. The reason I bring that up is that this question of what do I love to do at work or do I love my work, that is relevant all the freaking time, regardless of how the recession or market is going on. And so there's going to be ebbs and flows from my point of view of when you might take a risk to maybe better authenticate or better align yourself to find work you love. And there will also just be times of life when you need to pay your mortgage. And so you sit tight. And so right now we happen to be in that ebb of sort of the story of things, but I don't think this will last forever. And I certainly think people can still love what they do, even in the minutia of how could I love what I'm doing this hour Love is also a really big verb here, right? How could I appreciate or be fulfilled by or enjoy or collaborate with or, you know, something. So I think that's always available to us in a way. So for somebody who's in that space, who's like, I just want to love what I do. I don't love what I do right now. What is it that I want to do and how do I achieve it? Where do they even start? What do you recommend they do? Oh my God. Well, this is the soul searching question, right? <laughs> like, who am I in the world? <laughs> I think this is why I started Plucky, just to circle back for a second. I had my first son and I went through postpartum depression. And helpfully, it allowed me to ask kind of every day, why am I on the planet? What's my thing? And 
you know, for people listening, you might be more on the sort of spiritual side of the spectrum, more faith-based, or you could be on the other side, which is more, let's say, mathematical-based, but it doesn't really matter. Either way, you can say, why am I on the planet? Either what has my purpose been laid out for me, or based on the math of where I went to school, what I studied, how much money I need to live, what does that spit out either, right? I think every person should ask this question, why are you on the planet? And then we should go to dinner and discuss because it's kind of the only thing that matters to me in talking to people. I think there's so many things that try to convince us of answers to that question, including what our parents did or expectations from society or what our professors, you know, kind of encouraged us towards or what gender you are. You know, there's lots of things that have assumptions about that, but only you, the individual, is going to be able to say this, when I do this kind of work, I like resonate and I vibrate almost because I love it so much. Filling is energizing. And that can never sort of be applied from the external. So I guess the first thing I would say is you should probably ask yourself that question. If you have a trusted network of friends or coworkers or a coach or therapist, you could ask them, hey, what do you think? And as long as you have a healthy emotional boundary there where you don't have to agree with everything they say, then that can also be a fun data collection to sort of do. But in order to find your way to a job you love, you can't authentically answer that unless you've asked that question to yourself. What do I love? What resonates for me? And you might look back at previous roles or parts of previous roles and said, when was I most fulfilled? Was it when I was customer facing? Was it when I was quiet and working at my desk alone? Was it when I was solving problems every day? Was it when I was leading people around a campus tour during college? You know, like what of the, those sort of stories and anecdotes come alive for you as times when you were really fulfilled? And then what's the pattern? Were you always with people? Were you always traveling? Were you making no money, but mission-driven? Were you making all the money? People have a lot of data inside them that we forget to look at. And so I think that's a big part of that question asking too. So good. I'm curious to know just a little bit more about your own journey of soul searching that led you to Plucky. Like, what did that look like? So I have an exercise that I make all the people who do uh, my manager training do, and I call it jobs and verbs. And it's based on literally a journal entry that I did when I was going through this postpartum depression and wondering. So I have everybody write a very long list of every job they've ever done kind of what I was just talking about. It can include like babysitting in high school and volunteer jobs, whatever. Next to that, you write your favorite part about that job, starting with a verb. So a classic example I give is that I worked on a farm over the summer in college. And my favorite part was teaching kids how to milk cows. So you'll notice them starting with the word teaching, which is a verb. So you go through and you do that. And then at the very end, you calculate your verbs and you scrape kind of like three most common verbs off of that. My three most common verbs were leading, connecting, and writing. So what I knew is if I decided to go back to my job, which I was out on mat leave for, maternity leave for, I should advocate for responsibilities that would allow me to lead, connect, and write. And I wasn't really out of the ballpark of that. I was already very much, that was part of my role, but I knew that those would be fulfilling verbs for me and actions. If I decided to take a different job, I should look through job descriptions and job recs that allowed me to do those three things, lead, connect, and write. 
if on this random off chance I started my own company, it should probably be one that invites me to lead, connect, and write. So I say that because, again, anybody listening could certainly do that exercise. But it allows me sometimes if I'm having lower energy or feeling a little burned out or whatnot, I can always say, oh, hold up, hold up. When's the last time I led? When's the last time I connected? And when's the last time I wrote? And in those ways, it helps revive me. Again, I feel like this whole conversation is me revealing some kind of like mathematical algorithm, even though I'm an extremely social, emotional person. But I think sometimes it can be hard to hold on to the emotional or soul-based or, you know, squishier things. And for me, some tangibility is helpful. So when I can track back to those three words in particular, it helps me feel set up for success in appreciating what I'm doing and the opportunity I have. And obviously that has, you know, turned into a business that I really thriving with. I will, as a side note, say that last year was a particularly just fatiguing year for me. And by the fall, I was, I just like, something wasn't good and I couldn't figure it out. And I think part of this is, you know, almost 10 years in, you say like, well, I don't have a boss. Nobody's laying out career path. Like nobody's increasing my salary unless I kind of do that work, you know, where am I going? And so I admit that to everybody listening very freely that a decade into my own business, which is dream job, you love everything. You know, it's like so shiny, but you still can have those questions. And so this year, I always work for Plucky four days a week. And this year, my fifth day a week, I'm writing. And I'm in a fiction class right now and doing all kinds of really fun essays and things like that. And that has been so fulfilling. And I'm in a much better headspace than I was, let's say, six months ago. So good. Your exercise sounds like Such a really practical and useful exercise, not only to find what you love doing, but also to continue to love what you're doing, like to have that longevity in your career. So yeah, so cool. Yeah, I love that. So I'm curious because, you know, with our jobs, there's so many trade-offs that we can make. Like we can look at financial stability. We can look at wanting to have career advancement. Uh, We can look at just the market and what jobs are available, work-life balance, the way that we feel, like, do we love our job? Are we fulfilled? So what trade-offs kind of have you made? What things have you kind of looked at and said, actually, really, that's not important to me or that is? And how do you balance that with loving what you do? I will use my situation as an example, but there's obviously some principles underneath it. So What I kind of subscribe to is the idea of seasonality when it comes to, well, pretty much anything, but we'll say career right now. There are going to be different seasons of your career and you're going to be hungry for different things. And so by and large, earlier in your career, you are probably looking for experience and maybe a social component to the work. You know, maybe you go out with friends after work and social life. And then eventually the season might evolve into something like, okay, I actually need just some stability here, or I need money to pay for, you know, my family or whatever. And none of the answers to those seasons is incorrect. It's expected behavior that a person is going to need something different from work across their whole lives. You're just not going to always need the same thing because people are complex and they change. For me, when I look back at the last 10 years of Plucky, It has been an intricate balance as a parent, because remember, I started Plucky literally at the same time I had a baby. When my son was 10 months old, that's when I started Plucky. So 
I have not really known Plucky without being a parent. And so I'm sort of the primary person who had stayed home a couple days a week with kids and whatnot. And a really specific example I can give you is that when we had moved to California from New York, when my son was about 18 months old, and when we first got out there, we were like, okay, let's get a daycare three days a week. That's what I had been doing. And we only found daycare two days a week. So for about eight months, I ran Plucky two days a week. And then I got him in and then I ran Plucky three days a week. And then I had another baby. So I was off from Plucky. for You know what I mean? And so what I needed from Plucky was certainly space to experiment and some kind of income. But my evolution in my career was really hand in hand with my evolution as a parent. And for folks listening who aren't parents, that can be a lot of different things. You know, family that you're caring for, volunteer opportunities. Like we all have something we're balancing, right? And so that for me, at least when my kids were that young, work was hand in hand with parenting. Now, luckily my kids got older and then I could travel a little bit more. And so work became also this like exciting time for me to jet across the country and spend three nights somewhere teaching a class. It was my alone time. I got to see some friends, go out to dinner a few times. So work for me then was really social based too. And I loved that period of time. And these days, I think work is stable. And also it's like where I experiment. I'm like, what should exist in the world? Why don't I make a pack of cards to help people mentor each other? Okay, let's try that. You know, it's kind of like an art project in a way, like what else should exist? But I'm not a moron about it. You know, I talk to people all day. I coach them. I teach them. So I'm listening for threads underneath what would be a helpful thing in the world. So, you know, I'm not just like creating art for art's sake. But again, also it's providing some stability so I can write and, you know, try my hand at some other creative work right now. So again, for those listening, I think it's a seasonal thing and I've needed different things from Plucky, even though the content of my work is largely the same, you know, always has been. I'd love to look at it now just from more of a leader's perspective and get your thoughts there. What responsibility do leaders have in creating an environment that people love to work in, but also helping their employees love their jobs? Yeah, I saw your question ahead of time on that. And I was thinking a lot about it this morning. I think it's interesting to replace the word love with do. So how do leaders help people love their work? If we replace it with, well, actually, how can leaders help people do their work? I don't actually think you can make anybody love anything, right? That has to be agency on your own. So like I was saying earlier, individuals need to self-identify as what is motivating to them, what they enjoy doing. I have so many people right now that would just really love to be able to do their jobs without politics or hitting a ceiling or having some kind of support from a manager or senior leader who isn't like too busy all the time, you know, who actually needs to come and not handhold, just literally manage, you know, literally come, teach, coach, experience, walk through something, address conflict, be transparent, like all the freaking leadership things. We have a lot of leaders especially at the very top, who probably realistically sometimes really don't have time for that kind of work, but also they sure as heck, you know, avoid it as best they can because that stuff is hard. I know it. I really know it. So I think employees would love to be able to do their jobs, do the jobs they were hired for. They are talented people. They want to come in and they want to be allowed to do it. And sometimes doing your job means change which is really threatening to an organization or sometimes our leaders. 
But I do really think, especially in kind of like a post-ish COVID world where we're a lot remote, like people are having different presences of work and home in their lives. And I think people are finding a lot more fulfillment outside of work these days. So let me do my job and then I'll go home and I'll love the whole thing. It's kind of like I want to relieve leaders simultaneously of needing to motivate and inspire people all the time. Instead, just show up and do the work and people are going to love you more for that. Such an interesting perspective. I love it. So I'm curious then, what do you recommend a leader do in order to help their employees do their job and be able to do their job? You know, a really great question to say in a one-on-one would be, what are you blocked by? What can I unblock for you? Or what do you need access to that you don't have right now? That might be information, that might be JIRA, like, you know, whatever. What do you need access to that I have access to? Or yeah, just like honestly asking those questions and being present and being a resource instead of just, I don't know, a person on an org chart. So in order to help people do work, you want to make sure that they can be efficient and that they have channels through which they can get communication and, you know, hear relevant information. Just kind of like you look at a job description, you say, okay, great. What would this person need? You don't even have to have the human in front of you. Just say like, okay, literally, what would this person need to do good, uh, to do well at shipping this on time, making sure the customer is happy, da, da, da. You don't even need the person in front of you. So that might be a fun takeaway for some people listening is before you even hire someone, take your job rec and next to it, say, what would I need to do as a manager to support this job going well? And actually that would remove all of the nuance of like, well, we hired so-and-so, but they're a little picky about that. Like, okay, no, 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 no. We're talking in a vacuum. What would a manager need to do in order for this person to be successful? And sometimes it's a little cleaner even to think of it like that. That's so good. And so immediately applicable. I love it. So we're going to wrap up shortly. What advice do you have for someone who is currently struggling to find a career that they feel fulfilled in? What's one piece of advice you can leave them with? One of the most common things that people approach me about who I don't know, or actually also people who are in my network already is how can I become a coach? It's like the thing. Oh, I want to become a coach. And maybe you should, right? (laughs) I'm not trying to say people should not, but sometimes late at night, I think about this and think, does everyone want to be a coach? You know, you could get a whole psychological armchair thing about the power that someone might perceive that, oh, someone's the wise old person who coaches everyone. Although I, I hope you can tell my personality at this point that I don't see myself in that holy way. I actually think more often than not, what people are responding to is some kind of perception that I am in the right job, that I am a fulfilled, confident person, and what lights me up and happens to be the work that I'm doing. And it's such a foreign thing. How often do we actually meet someone who is exactly kind of aligned and plugged into what they should be doing? It's not very often. And So sometimes I think people mix up my job with actually like my alignment, if I can say it like that. And what they really want is that shininess of enjoying what they do every day. So it's kind of, you know, I'm going to go back to the beginning of our conversation here, but I think you have to ask yourself, what is your alignment here? What are you on the planet to do? And 
in some cases, it might be the content of the work. Like I'm a project manager. I'm organized. I love shipping stuff across the finish line. I feel so proud when we finish something. And in other cases, it might be a population. I love working with children. Or it might be a mission. I love working in the sciences because I want to fix dementia. You know, like there's not only one template for figuring out what you love, but based on the idea that you are a gift to the world, because it's actually hard actually to have a baby, you know, and anyone out there who is thinking about or trying, like, it's like real hard. The odds are not with you. So if you arrived here on the planet, what are you going to do with it? And I think that question feels a little slippery and Oprah-esque, but I literally don't care. It's the only thing I like talking to people about. Amazing. Thanks for that. So to wrap up, I just have two questions for you that I ask all of my guests, and I'd love you to weigh in. The first is, what do you think is the number one thing that keeps employees happy in the workplace? I think my answer is people. If they like who they work with, it goes a lot easier. And I don't just mean personality, but facility to communicate, ability to bring up something hard, not being afraid of people. The humans are the work, right? It's like we took our dog to dog training and the lady joked that (laughs) it's actually human training, but the dogs are in the room. It's human training, right? We're all in that. That's who we have to work on and with and build skills around. It's not the code or the design. It's the people that are complicated or amazing. Okay. Next question. What do you personally need as a leader in order to be successful? For me personally, I need ventilation systems. So I need supports who are not, I mean, my company is very small, but I need supports who I do not work with so that I can be like, oh my God, this shit that happened today, right? Like I need someone who is a safe space for that. And I always coach my leader people to vent sideways and up. So you can vent to peers and you can vent upstream, so to speak, but don't vent down. So if I'm a manager, to be tangible, if I'm a manager and I'm having a frustrating conversation with a different department, I should not bring that to my one-on-one with my direct report and be like, man, you know what design is doing over here? I mean, that is so not profesh, right? Like clean it up, people. Become an adult. A strong leader is going to have some kind of resource exterior to work where they can just be a child for a minute, be mad, and it doesn't have impact and ripple effect on everybody else that you work with. And that is very true for me too. I've had seasons of my life where I had a coach, seasons of my life where I had a therapist. Sometimes I just need a walk. Like taking good care of myself and my own mental state is biggest ingredient for success for me, for sure. Such great advice. Jen, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining us. For people who want to get in touch with you or follow your work, where can they do that? So my website is beplucky.com. Maybe you'll have show notes to stick that in. And we're on Instagram at bpluckster. LinkedIn, just you can look for Plucky or for me. And yeah, and also just to throw it out there, you can just email me hello at beplucky.com. I love just, you know, hearing what people are up to and I'm very friendly, so you don't have to be intimidated and not the wise old mystic coach. I'm just the normal lady coach. (laughs) Amazing. Love that. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to get notified every time we release a new episode. And if you want to stay in touch with all things HR and leadership, head over to peoplemanagingpeople.com slash subscribe to join our newsletter community. And until next time, have a great day.